Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey guys, just want to take a second to talk to you a bit about Game Time. If you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard us talk about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. I was looking at the app the other day, actually. I was thinking about buying some Blue Jackets tickets, and the thing that I like the most about using the app is that when you click on the available tickets, it actually shows you a view of where the the seats are, so you kind of get a feel for your sight lines, how you would be viewing the game or the concert or whatever you're going to before you actually purchase the tickets to make sure that's the kind of section you want to sit in. I thought that was pretty cool. Now Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what you need to do. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store, Click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account, then under the billing section, redeem code The Athletic. Use The Athletic. Once again, that's The Athletic, all one word for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money for tickets to concerts, sports, all types of shows. Credit is only available for the first 1,000 people who use this code and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, just a couple weeks from now. So make sure you move quick and score those last-minute tickets. The culture is the culture. It's 4-6A to to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. Uh, The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to another edition of 4-6 to with A and B. I'm here with Bill Landis. This is Ari Wasserman, and Merry Christmas to all of you. Bill, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, man! You're you're misleading the people. We're not. We're you know we're we're together by the the power of technology, not actually in person. We're not we're not spending this lovely holiday together. Of course, we are. I land this evening. <laughs> Bill and I have a special right. uh, Christmas dinner uh, scheduled for just the two of us. Um, I'm in Salt Lake City with my girlfriend and her family for Christmas. Bill is on location, Camelback Inn. Um, and I am on my way to Phoenix uh, right after I'm recording this. So, Bill, 
uh, you're down there. It's rainy, and I know that you resent me for the sunshine talk I gave you for the previous month. But you know, what's the feel been like it, it, in Camelback Inn? Uh, you had some interviews going on down there, and I'm just wondering, just you know, what's your take on how everything's going down there so far? Yeah, you know, I'm mostly mad that we we discussed a bet about how many days in a row it would rain down here, and I and I I balked at the idea of that uh, betting four days in a row, and now I'm, I'm upset because I think I might I might have won that bet. If we stuck with it, um, it's kind of weird. We, we were at a Ohio State practice on Tuesday on Christmas Eve, and um, we're in the desert, and there's mountains in the background. And we've been out here a couple times now, and we're used to it being sort of sort of beautiful, kind of pristine uh, conditions to practice in. And Ohio State instead is practicing when it's rainy and, and kind of windy, and you know, down in the fifties, approaching the forties. And, and of course, they're used to it because they're, they they practice in Columbus, Ohio. But I did think it was interesting that that on Tuesday, at least. Um, there's only one indoor option here for teams to practice. And on Tuesday, um, Clemson used it. It's Arizona State's facility. And Ohio State instead practiced at Notre Dame Prep. Um, and they they inquired about using the Arizona Cardinals facility, but they were told that if they wanted to use it, it's, it's too small for them to practice the kicking game, which I thought was interesting because it's an NFL facility. But Tuesdays, is when Ohio State does a lot of special team stuff and they didn't want to deviate from their normal kind of practice plan. So they they kept it out in the elements and they were out there kicking. I watched Blake Hallbill hit a couple of, uh, long field goals in the rain and the wind. So it's they're, they're trying to keep it, you know, as, as close to business as usual, even though they're a couple thousand miles away from where they normally are. The, the weather's making them feel a little bit closer to home. And, you know, Ryan Day's not shying away from, even though they are playing in a dome and on grass when they play on Saturday, they were out in the rain on Tuesday practicing on, on turf. So it was kind of a strange situation for Ohio State to be in. I bet you that four days in a row rain bet would have paid, what, two to one? At least. At least, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it hasn't cashed yet either, so let's not count our money. Um, That's but yeah, I, this month has gone by so quickly, and I've just been paying attention. And I saw that Justin Fields said that he wasn't 100% yet, which I think is probably alarming to some people. But can I tell you what my gut reaction was? When I read that, yeah, because I think ours might be the same. My gut reaction was he's trying to be a hero, like he wants people to think that he's not a hundred percent. And I'm not saying that he is a hundred percent, but not feeling as well as uh, maybe he does, so that when he does get out there and looks as good as he can, a little bit of some gamesmanship going on there too, um, to make people think that he's going to be slowed down a little bit. But I think that given the fact that he played um, at the week after it happened, then returned to the game in the Michigan. Um, when he got injured and came back in, that it probably wasn't a major MCL sprain. And I'm not a doctor, but just based on the way he's performed in the time since, I, I always figured that the three weeks uh, heading into the game would be more than enough time for him to get ready. So I was surprised when he said that his number was 80 or 85%. Um, what was your initial reaction on that, and do you believe him? You know, I, I do believe him for the most part. Um, I think I made a joke about it on Twitter. Like, he doesn't have to tell the truth, and he, uh, people were freaking out. I tweeted it out. And people were like, why is he telling Clemson that he's not going to be able to run in this game? And I said, well, he could be stretching the truth a little bit to in an, in an act of deception. But but I don't I don't actually think that's what he was doing. I think he was just being honest. And, you know, Justin Fields at 80, 85 percent, still pretty good. It's it's probably better than than where he was um, against Michigan or Wisconsin. Um, like you said, he's going to have three weeks for this. Uh, I, I don't he's he's sort of been honest in that way all year. So I don't think I was surprised that that he said that. I, for the most part, believe him. He said that he will play on Saturday with the smaller knee brace that he started the Michigan game with. But when we saw him in, in practice on Tuesday, he had the bigger knee brace on still. So 
I'm curious to see how he comes out when, you know, with which brace he comes out with against Clemson, because I do think just the bulkiness of that big brace impacts his running ability. And, and the smaller one, the way the reason you wear it is because it just allows you more mobility. Um, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not super nervous about it. Uh, if I wouldn't really be, if I were an Ohio state fan, three weeks is a long time. Like you said, he said he still does have some stiffness in his knee and you know, it, it probably doesn't help that the weather out here is, is crappy. Maybe if it was a little warmer, it'd be easier for him to get loosened up. But when, when the adrenaline starts going on Saturday, I don't think it's that big of a deal. We, we've seen what he looks like hindered, and, and I don't think he'll be as hindered against Clemson as he was against Michigan and Wisconsin. So I, I expect that he'll be okay. But um, the 80 to 85, it, you know, it seemed legit to me. And, but it does put him in a position where this, if he comes out and he says that, like you said, and he performs well, then, then it does make him – and I don't, I don't know if this is the motivation, but it does make him look a little more heroic, I guess, in that sense. Yeah. Um, I, I personally think that you know Ohio State wants him to be obviously as close to 100% as they can, but at 80 or 85%, I believe that they would let him run and run him to the, the greatest max of what his body would allow while keeping him safe because they're in a position right now where they need to go win a football game. And you know I can't imagine them coming into this like the, with a Wisconsin like game plan where they know going into it that they're not going to run him or they're not going to do certain things with him in order to protect him. I think this is win a game mode. And, um, you know, you spoke to um, the assistants and uh, on both sides of the ball on Tuesday. And I was wondering, do you kind of have a gauge on, on, on the way that they view his availability, the way that's going to impact the game plan and what they want to do on both sides of the ball here? Yeah. I mean, he, he said it and, you know, I guess, I guess words only get you so far, but, but he said that, if he has to run, he's going to run. And, and I think Ohio State knows that that his legs have to be a part of this game plan. To what extent, you know, I, I don't know. that The thing about the, the whole season has been, you know, Ohio State's played some good defenses. Um, I, don't, I don't know if they've played one that's as good as this Clemson defense. But look, I think Penn State's defense is pretty good and, and pretty fast. And that wasn't really a game where they had to ride Justin Fields' legs like any crazy amount of time. It wasn't going back to like the JT Barrett days where, you know, every third player, every other play is a quarterback run. I don't, I don't think that's what we're talking about here. Um, I, I think you need some mobility against Clemson's blitzing and Clemson's pass rush. And, you know, he the, the best play he's had all year was with that bulky knee brace on against Michigan where he evaded a pass rush, rolled to his left, planted his feet, and threw a dime in the back of the end zone. So he can do all the stuff even when he is injured. That's obviously to a, a little bit of a lesser extent. Maybe he can't do it as often. But I think he'll be healthier in this game than he was in that game. So everything's on the table. Um, he he never, didn't say he was limited in any way. Um, I, I don't think they'll call you know fifteen quarterback runs for him. But it's an Ohio State's bag. I expect they'll show it early to to let Clemson know that they can do it. And his legs, in terms of the pass game and extending plays and creating things in that regard, I, I think will be just as much of the plan and and Ohio State's um, reason for winning as it's been all year. Uh, the, just a reminder, guys, this is four to six with A and B. Um, as we do every week, we want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, and every other possible platform that you could be listening to this podcast. Um, and of course, we would urge you, if you're not already subscribed, to subscribe to The Athletic, uh, www.theathletic.com slash 4-6 or 40% off. Uh, Bill will, I think, send you some candies in the mail if you do that, right, Bill? I got, I'm got. i sitting here uh, at my, my table in my office by the way i had a hotel in las vegas so i was there for basketball and i have this hotel here in phoenix and i don't want to come off of sounding like i'm complaining but i am complaining about the fact that there is no desk there was no desk at all 
in the Vegas room and like here there's like a little coffee table, but I'm a big man. I need, I need area. I need surface area to operate. And this is a tiny table, but on this tiny table, there's a, uh, there's some, uh, Snickers, there's some Kit Kats, there's some peanut M&Ms, there's a can of Pringles that I might've opened at eight already and, uh, some chocolate chip cookies. So if you guys sign up, I'll mail some of these your way. There's a Kashi trail mix bar here too. I don't know if anybody wants that. Would you steal some of those from the hospitality suite or what? So here's the thing in the hospitality suite in, in my room, there are Pringles that I opened that cost like five dollars because you're in a hotel room. Um, but I just got here. I was so hungry. I ate them, which is fine. I'll pay for them. But I was thinking to myself, there are free Pringles in the hospitality suite. I'm wondering if I can go to the hospitality suite and take the free Pringles that are in a different container out of there and just refill this Pringles container that's in my room and then trick the house service into thinking and never ate them in the first place. I did that at the W in Scottsdale once where I ate all the Pringles in the room and then I went to the gas station to fill up and I went and I got the Pringles and I put them back and I did not get charged. <laughs> all right, that gives me hope. Then. I, I'm, I'm trying to just avoid this. But sometimes they're weighted, you know, like it's yeah, like well, if you no, breathe yeah. on them, you get charged. So I don't know. <laughs> this one's not um, weighted. It's just like in a, in a wooden container. It's not like, yeah, it's not in Vegas where like you have to put in a pin code to get a bottle of water. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Hey, it's the holidays. Well, if you, who are you if you're not the Pringles? So. Uh, if you're not allowed to ha- enjoy some Pringles, uh, Bill, um, both teams I've noticed, and Dabo's been doing this for a long time, um, have tried to play the we're the slighted team card. And I saw J.K. Dobbins was talking about how he feels Ohio State's been disrespected um, all season, starting at the beginning of the year when some didn't even pick them to win the Big Ten and, you know, dropping to number two in the playoff uh, final poll. Uh, after having a bad half against Wisconsin, which team do you think everybody thinks sucks the most? <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. Uh, Grace Rayner, who who covers Clemson for us, and, and she's out here in Phoenix, obviously, and she co-hosts the the Clemson podcast, Protect the Rock, with uh, Nicole Auerbeck that I listened to you on earlier this week, and I, I suggest everyone go listen to that to get the Clemson. How did I do, things. Bill? Uh, I thought you were pretty good. I thought you were pretty good. I thought you. Uh, you brought you brought a lot of humor. It seemed like you had a, a, a pretty good audience there. We were laughing at all your jokes, even though they were you know, they were they were just fine. They weren't that funny, but <laughs> they made you sound funnier. Um, but but Grace uh, tweeted out that Spider Man GIF with the two Spider Mans pointing at each other, talking about Ohio State players and, and Clemson players trying to, to claim that they were more slated than the other. Um, and then we were at practice on Tuesday, and you know we, we haven't watched a lot of practice for Ohio State this year. We haven't seen any during the year because they don't let us in there. But even in the spring. Or in the fall, I mean, or in the end of the spring. Every time we watch, like, Ryan Day never seemed particularly animated to me. He's, he's loose and he's having a good time. But, like, he was screaming at them before Tuesday's practice about how nobody believed in them. And I was standing next to, next to Doug Maurice, and I was like, Doug, he's going to point over here to you and say, that guy over there said we were going to go 9-3 and three this year. Uh, but but he didn't actually do that. But he was screaming about how nobody believed in Ohio State, that, that they're the underdog, even though they're the higher-ranked team. Um, so, so they're playing that up. Clemson's definitely playing it up. J.K. Dobbins talked about it. Um, Isaiah Simmons talked about it. But the thing I appreciated the most um, going through interviews on Tuesday was Brent Venables. Clemson's defensive coordinator was asked about this because there was some guy going around. I guess he's writing a story about um, who slighted because I guess that's an interesting angle. Um, and he he asked Brent Venables about the idea. And Brent Venables is like, you know what? I'm not in practice yelling at my players going, they think you're number three. Like I'm yelling at my players telling them, like, if you don't play better – uh, J.K. Dobbins is going to run through your arm tackles or Justin Fields is going to shred you apart. Like we don't have to, we don't actually have to play this game every day about who's slated or who's more slated than the other team. We know Ohio State's good. We know we're good and we have to be um, on point to try to win this game. And I was like, thank you, Brett Venables. Thank you for not, you know, 
uh, trafficking and cliche for, for once the first time I ever heard a football coach actually do that. So I appreciated that because, you know, it's a storyline, I guess, because Dabo keeps talking about it and I'm sure he will when he has his press conference later this week, but I don't really think it matters all that much. Both these teams have reasons to have an edge. They, I think the whole thing is so stupid. Can I just be frank about it? It's just so stupid. I think that, you know, the one thing that I made the point on, um, protect the rock with uh, grace and Nicole was that, you know, Clemson does or did at least the beginning portion of the season remind me of the 2015 Ohio state team. And that's a parallel that you've, you've drawn. A lot of people have drawn a team that won a national championship, maybe a year early because they had a freshman quarterback and, you know, they returned a lot of talent the following year and then didn't really look particularly motivated uh, the following year. And I do think that um, competitive edge and desire to win it all and to taste the fruit of what you've been lifting weights for all year to finally get to that point matters. But I do think that you do lose a little bit of an edge just because of human nature um, the following year because you already did it. Um, so I, I always took like Dabo's um, crazy talk to the media about nobody wants us here um, as a way to motivate his team to play better. But, you know, now that you're in the playoff, if you can't get motivated enough to win a national championship or to play at the highest level, then there's something wrong with you. And none of the press conference tweets and the layups of these easy stories that everybody's writing about it aren't going to matter. And you know what I think the number one motivation is, Bill? The NFL draft. <laughs> Every single <laughs> a minute of tape, um, especially in big games, is analyzed. And these guys want to go out and play their very best every time they get on the field because they want to get paid. And to me, if if you need Dabo at behind a podium banging his fist to get you ready to go, then there's something completely and utterly wrong with your approach. Um, so I've always thought that this stuff was a little bit overblown. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think both teams are very good, and I think everybody thinks both teams are very good. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, it does play. I'm sure it plays with, with 18 and 19-year-olds. And when Dabo's saying that stuff, he's not talking to us. He's talking to them. So like, I, I get that. He, he does it a lot, so it becomes overbearing. Um, but it's not like he's not the only coach that does it. And Ryan Day was doing it, like I said, before practice on Tuesday. So I think it matters on some level to them. I just don't like it's not if you want to play this game and figure out who who feels slated more. I don't think that's going to be what ultimately impacts the, the final score of the game. Just wanted to remind everybody um, because we asked you incessantly to subscribe to The Athletic because that's what we're doing here. Right, Bill? Um, that's what I'm doing. That's, that's what I'm doing. Uh, the Athletic unlocked our 30 best stories of 2019 if you're not subscribed. And you can go dive into them at theathletic.com slash best of 2019. All 30 of the best stories of 2019 are free to read so you guys can get an idea of what we're trying to do here. I personally think that there should be some stories in the best 30 that aren't there. Um, but there's a really good <laughs> sample size. Uh, they were all by you, Bill. Oh, thanks, man. Um, but it's a pretty good sample size, Bill, of you know, the work that we're doing here. And if you're on the edge and have thought about signing up for the athletic, you might be able to go take a look and get swayed because, you know, for the most part, I do think that people sign up uh, once they do, they kind of feel like it's worth the money. And and we like to think that it is. And of course we want as many people to be a part of this as possible. So go check that out. And I will continue on with our podcast now. Uh, So what's all this two safety talk you were talking about earlier, Bill? Yeah, so we got – it was uh, in a shocking turn of events. Uh, Jeff Halfley, who will soon be Boston College's head coach and is is uh, also working as Ohio State's defensive coordinator as goes through the playoff, was scheduled to talk with us 
when we did interviews on Tuesday. And then right before they were set to come out, we were told that he wasn't going to come uh, and that Greg Madison will be coming in his place. Were you surprised by that? Uh, only, only because like, it's good publicity for Boston college that Jeff Halfley be out in front of microphones. Um, but I also get Jeff Halfley not wanting to be asked a million questions about Boston college. But honestly, the thing about it is everyone knows the deal. He'd get asked a couple questions about it and balancing all of it. And then we'd move on to like more pressing things. Like how are you going to stop Clemson from scoring? So I was, I was a little surprised by it. Um, I was a little disappointed in it only because Jeff Halfley is typically, um, a little better in, in interview settings than, than Greg Madison is, though I thought Greg Madison was pretty good on Tuesday. And, you know, he's not giving anything away when we talk with him, but, you know, we were asking him a lot. Uh, myself and, and Doug were, were kind of the ones asking it the most about the idea of Ohio State kind of eschewing its normal 4-3 alignment and playing more with two linebackers and an extra safety on the field and and mostly playing Josh Proctor. And it, you know, Greg Madison was is the guy who's who's going to be keyed first and foremost on stopping the run, and that's important against Clemson because Travis Etienne is is a monster for running back and is a very powerful run, powerful runner, and you would want some bigger bodies, I think, on the field to try to get that guy to the ground. And I certainly understand that. And he could be a home run hitter too. His, his average yards per carry is like eight. It's it's crazy. Or actually, it might be even higher than that. Um, it's the it's the highest in the country, I think, for for someone who has as many carries as him. Um, so I get wanting to you know, want, want to corral him first and foremost. But when everyone looks at Clemson's offense, it's about Trevor Lawrence and these receivers and not getting beat down the field. And, and I think that the best way to to combat that is to play two safeties on the field the way we saw Ohio State do against Michigan when Michigan got its passing game going and the way that it did a little bit against Clem- or Wisconsin when Wisconsin got its passing game going in the Big Ten Championship. So Greg Madison wasn't like, oh, yeah, this is what we're going to do. But he also wasn't – he wasn't, you know um, – passing off the idea of something crazy. I, I think he knows that they'll, they'll probably have to go to that look in some capacity and maybe it'll play out that they'll have to play that game to, to play that way the majority of the time, which means that a guy like Josh Proctor gets put in a, in a pretty big spotlight. So it's the thing that I'm most interested to, to watch. I think in, in terms of Ohio state's defense against Clemson's offense is, is what they do, what Ohio state does on the back end to try to contend with the best quarterback and best receivers they've seen all year. And frankly, I don't like in a very long time, a couple of years. I was pretty surprised he didn't talk today, Bill. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he Jeff Scott, who's going to South Florida, the Clemson offensive coordinator, I think was also supposed to talk today, and then they swapped him out for the other OC. So both teams ended up doing it. Watch um, out for a video on Twitter later know. of Jeff Halfley boogie boarding. <laughs> yeah, he was at practice. We saw him, we saw him at practice. Um so I don't know. I, I guess I was a little surprised. I don't know what you thought. What, why were you so surprised by it? It's it just he's been such a media darling, and I thought this would be the perfect opportunity to put his face uh, in front of the uh, college football playoff logo, and you know, talk about Boston College a little bit, and uh, you know, be the face of this defense, which is what got him that job to begin with. So I, I thought that you know this would be an opportunity for him to bask in the fact that he got a new job, not shy away from it. So. Um, you know, I don't know if you never know why the, the decisions were made or, or who decided what, but I always thought that this was going to be like his, like, welcome back to Ohio state for another few weeks and an opportunity for him to really get into the, the defense. And of course, what he wants to build up Boston college. So I was kind of stunned to see that, to be honest. Yeah. I wonder if, um, I don't, I don't know who made like, it's not Jerry. I is the sports information director and 
we love Jerry. I think he does a really good job. I, I don't like. I don't think he's he's making those kind of calls. But I wonder if you know, even if Ryan Day, if it's just something he's even considering, or somebody at Ohio State thought to themselves like, Greg Madison is is the voice for our defense moving forward because you know, for as good as Jeff Halfley's been, he's he's on his way out of here, and and it's not to say that he's distracted by anything, but. I don't know. I think I think unified voice is, is an important thing if you're trying to control your message, and um, it makes some sense to me on that level that Greg Madison would put out there. But you know, for our purposes, I, I would prefer Halfley only because he's got a little more little more showmanship to him when he's out there talking and says some interesting things. Okay, here's an image for you guys, and this was me two weeks ago on Sunday watching NFL football on my couch. Picture you're sitting in your sweatpants for the day. You don't feel like getting changed. You're sick of microwave leftovers and frozen pizza. Maybe you don't feel like cooking for yourself at all. And DoorDash is here to help you. It's restaurant-quality food with a living room dress code. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, the Cheesecake Factory, others. I ordered my wings from Wingstop. It was great. It took 30 seconds for me to go answer the door. I didn't miss any of the games. Had to barely get up off my couch. It was awesome. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off of their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code AB. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter the promo code AB. Don't forget, AB, $5 off for your first order from DoorDash. So who, I know that we're not in the same room right now, but who's doing the rock, paper, scissors for who gets to talk to Josh Proctor on uh, um, Thursday? Oh, yeah, we're going to have to fight over that. Like physical yeah. fight, not just rock, paper, yeah, scissors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think this well, could uh, be the Von Bell game for him. Yes, I agree with you. The Von Bell 20, was that 2013? It was a 2013 Orange, Orange Bowl. Bowl. Yep, against Clemson. Also against Clemson. Yeah. Yep. Wow, look at that. You know, and he was the young stud, and he was a freshman that season, so maybe it was a little bit different, but the young stud of, you know, five-star prospect, get him out on the field and let him go, and Ohio State lost that game the previous week in the Big Ten Championship or the previous game they played uh, because they had some deficiencies in the secondary, then he came in and had a big pick, so... I'd be very curious to see Ohio State looks in that look for an entire game against a team this talented. And, you know, we all thought that Proctor had a chance to start this year before the season, or at least I did. And there's been a lot of loose affiliations uh, or comparisons to Malik Hooker, which may or may not be insane. I guess we'll see once we get some extended time watching him. But this could be the perfect time. And, you know, we got questions all year about uh, which player do you think isn't having a huge impact on this team right now could come out in the, in the postseason and really, you know, have an impact. And I think Josh Proctor, this, this could be really setting up nicely for him heading into next year. You know, it was interesting and um, we'll, we'll have to figure out how to write about this, but it was interesting that Greg Madison said this, Josh Proctor has been banged up this year. He's, he's had a shoulder injury and, and even Greg Madison, Ohio State hasn't really confirmed injuries all year. Greg Madison like confirmed that when I asked him about it on Tuesday and we were talking about this idea of of playing two safeties, and I was asking him about Jordan Fuller because if if you play that way, they'll, they're going to want to walk Jordan Fuller like down into the box to be an extra run defender when you only have two linebackers out there. And the way he was describing Jordan Fuller, the way Greg Madison was describing Jordan Fuller, like actually made it sound like he's the kind of guy like we always talked about the bullet and like it's comparison to the Viper position at Michigan, and this like it's like a hybrid safety linebacker guy and. Jordan Fuller is a pretty well-built guy, and, and Greg Madison said he envisions Jordan Fuller down the line like being more of an in-the-box safety in the NFL than a middle-of-the-field safety. 
Um, and I, I'm, it led me to wonder, like, if we would have seen more instances of Josh Proctor and Jordan Fuller on the field together, if Josh Proctor would have just been healthy enough to be out there. And I don't know if he's if he's healthy enough to play a full game now. At, at practice on Tuesday, he still had a little bit of a brace on his shoulder, but we saw him play. We saw the poppy put on Jack Cohen at the end of the Big Ten championship game. And it just like led me for for a second to wonder if like the actual preferred structure of Ohio State's defense would be to have Jordan Fuller be like the Jabril Preppers, Khalid Hudson guy from Michigan's defense, and then Josh Proctor to be the deep middle guy. And if they can if they can figure that out and, and get Proctor on the field against Clemson, you know, I'm not saying it's it's the magic pill to to beat Clemson and slow that offense down, but it's at least interesting. You know, for all the talk we've had about Brendan White and Pete Werner in that spot, it's like when they finally get on this biggest stage, is it going to be Jordan Fuller who's actually in that role? I think it's on the table. I was standing about 10 yards away from that pop-on cone, and I thought I saw a homicide. <laughs> I was up in the box, in the press box, and Indianapolis has glass in front of it, so like you don't really hear the, the, the noise in the stadium, and I still heard that hit from all the way up top. That was, a, that was one of the bigger hits I've ever seen. Yeah, I, it was a penalty, and I think they were just were like, you know what, this game's over, let's just get out of here. Uh, but it, it was it was pretty crazy to see up close. Uh, Bill, uh, how do you uh, think Ohio State's offense has been coming along outside of the uh, injury to Justin Fields? I mean, do you, we had some discussion this year about whether or not we felt this offense could get receivers open in space against these talented uh, Clemson uh, defenders, and I'm just you know, wondering if this game turns into a shootout, uh, do you think Ohio State can keep up offensively? Yeah, I do. The, the, the more and more I talk to people, I, I feel a little more confident in Ohio State's ability to run the ball in this game. And I think when you say shootout, I think when you, when you say that, you're, you're envisioning throwing the ball. And I, and I do too. But I think if you're Ohio State, you need to run to set that up and then try to hit Clemson with, with some play action because I think they've shown themselves to be susceptible to that at points this year. And we were talking with Brent Venables on Tuesday, and even he, maybe it was tongue-in-cheek because he's heard the criticisms, but he, he mentioned the fact that they don't have a particularly big defensive line, um, that they're young and kind of inexperienced up there. And then I was talking with Kevin Wilson just about how, how good the three interior guys are, and I'm going to have a story about all this later in the week. And it just, I was talking with J.K. Dobbins, and he's a super motivated guy, and he's still playing that card about how, how he's left stuff on the table, and he thinks people are still doubting him a little bit. And I think that matters for him, and, and it's part of the reason why he's played so well this year. So I'm, I'm just envisioning a scenario where Ohio State can can run the ball effectively against Clemson, and then in turn set up the pass game off of that, and and can score points. And 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 I I'm leaning a little more, and we'll make our picks later in the week. But I'm leaning a little more toward a pretty high scoring game, I think. And uh, I'm feeling a little bit better about Ohio State's chances um, to to put up points in this game, and even Brett Venables himself kind of. As cordially as he could say it, as polite as he could say it on um, on Tuesday, said that this this offense is not like the offense they faced in 2016. He he said Ohio State back then. He's like, you know, they were really good between the tackles, which is like they were really good at running the ball with their quarterback, and that was kind of it. And he referred to Curtis Samuel as Waldo, and their game plan was just, where's Waldo? Find Curtis Samuel, and you'll stop him, and then you'll stop the offense, which is was 100% true. Ohio State's offense isn't built that way this year. There, there are too many different ways for Ohio State to beat you offensively. Um, maybe they don't have the most explosive playmakers in the world, but they have them at quarterback and they have them at running back. And I think the receivers are pretty good and they have a, a really solid offensive line. So I, I like Ohio State's ability to to put some points and some yards on Clemson's defense in this game. You know the over on the over under number? Do you know what it is? No, what is it? Guess. Uh, is it in the fifties or sixties? Nope. 
sixties. Oh, like sixty three. Yeah, sixty three and a half. Yeah, I think I'd go over that. Yeah, like thirty four, thirty one type of a game. Yeah, I don't know. I'm 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 closer and closer to like both teams in the forties, honestly, or like or one team in the forties and one team in the high thirties. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I I know we haven't made our picks yet, and we'll do it uh, later in the week. And we're going to be doing uh, shorter podcasts, but not just twice this week. Uh, so stick with us. But I'm I'm still on the fence at who I want to pick in this game right now. I think. Yeah, I am too. Are you starting to lean one way or the other? I, yes, yes. Um, and I'll, I'll I'll leave it at that. Um, but I am starting to lean a little bit. But but it's not it's not clear cut to me just yet. And you know. It doesn't really matter. It's just us, you know, it's us our vibe on the game. But um yeah, it's 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 pretty evenly matched. It's hard it's hard to get a gauge on like who might have the edge, but I'm I'm developing a little bit of a lean, yeah. Such a good teaser. Uh speaking of teasers, do you want to uh tease any of your work before we get out of here? Yes. So uh I'm writing a story about Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and these two guys who you know they're not they're they're not quite uh, what's the term uh, ships passing in the night or whatever um, because they have been on the same field a couple of times but they they were two best quarterbacks in the 2018 recruiting class two of the best recruit quarterback prospects in the history of the internet recruiting era and they grew up and played like 20 minutes apart um, in the Atlanta suburbs and they never played against each other because their high schools are are in different classifications and the only time they really met on the field in the competitive situation was at the opening. Um, so I'm writing a story just about like how these two guys kind of came up around each other and have um, a lot of different connections, but have never actually played really when like everything was on the line and now they are. So uh, I'm writing about that. That'll be up on uh, Christmas Day. And then uh, I'll have the story that I alluded to earlier about Ohio State's interior offensive lineman and just how how good and I think how rare a collection of talent that is up front for Ohio State. And then uh, maybe some other stuff to sprinkle in at the end of the week, too. All right. Well, I'm going to be writing about Josh Proctor. <laughs> see what I did there? <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. Um, and my my big story, I think, uh, this week is going to be about how Clemson took Ohio State's spot uh, in the national perspective. And this is something we talked about uh, when the playoff field was released. But just uh, kind of a bigger picture of it and going to talk to as many people as I can from around the place once I land uh, in Phoenix tonight. Um, and Bill, you'll be at the airport waiting to hug me or what? Nope. Nope. I'll be at the hotel. Uh, what time do you land? Uh, I think in the late afternoon. Yeah. I'll be at the hotel. Um, probably eating something. Okay. Well, I'll take an Uber and I'll be, I'll be right there to, to see you. I don't, um, have a, I don't have a car here. I couldn't pick you up even if I wanted to. Oh, you returned it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I guess I should talk about that. I rented a car, uh, when I was here on Monday because there were no interviews on Monday, so I rented a car and drove down to Chandler, Arizona, which is not too far from here, and I went and spent a couple hours at LaCharles Bentley's Offensive Line Training Center, which is a place I've wanted to go for, I don't know, four or five years, for, since like the first time we came here in 2015, and just never got around to doing it, um, and it was awesome. He's a really great interview. I think what he's built there is, is really impressive, and it's sort of like the preeminent training ground for any offensive lineman who wants to make it in the NFL. And Charles Bentley like has become this guru of offensive linemen who is is not only trying to help guys on the field, but but also doing things off the field to kind of help them through their careers financially and, and you know what happens after football too. And there's some Ohio State guys who are clients of his. Um, there's a guy there working out from West Virginia when I was there talking with him. So if you like offensive line, 
Um, if you like the Charles Bentley, I, I think it'll be a story that'll be interesting to you. All right, guys, that was four to six with A and B. Uh, Bill, I'm headed back to Phoenix to see you. Uh, for you guys, thanks so much for uh, sticking with us. We're going to be more frequent with podcasts than we usually are this week, so stay tuned. And of course, again, if you are not subscribed to The Athletic, please consider doing so. www.theathletic.com slash four dash six to read all of our work and all the other impressive work um, in the athletic system. Um, until next time, that's Bill. I'm Ari. Uh, have a good day.